reading from Matthew chapter 4, which is on page 967 of the Young Bibles. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's no doubt that... uh my skin is not designed for living in the desert. Uh, I get sunburned quite easily. I've already had a skin cancer cut off uh, my shoulder. And so uh, my perception of the desert is that it's a harsh place to live. It's a, it's a challenging place to live. And uh, when I went to Israel, uh, again, I found it quite a challenging place to be. It, it, as a city slicker, it, it seems quite a, a hard place and, and it, it just is not the familiar environment for me. And yet we know that there are people, uh, even in today in Israel, who live in those, uh, what we might call the desert areas, what we might call the wilderness areas it refers to here, those parts of uh, Israel that are not connected with the city. And, and maybe you and I can think of some of the news stories that we hear about the deserts in Australia because uh, there's people that get lost in the desert and, and whereas you could survive for four days in the Australian bush, uh, four days without water in the Australian desert, you, you, you're not likely to survive. So we think of the desert in Australia as a bit of a harsh place, as a, as a, as a place where it's a struggle. And yet, in the time of Jesus, the the desert was a place that was free from the the busyness of the city. The the, the desert was the place that was uh, a place where you could go and you could listen to God. And so, uh, just on the the northern part of the Dead Sea, there's there's the the, the ruins, the ancient ruins of uh, the Qumran community. And, and it's hard to exactly say, but that's where the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, uh, which has helped us to understand more about some of the, the translation uh, uh, similarities of the Scriptures. But also, there's thoughts that maybe uh, John the Baptist lived in this Qumran community uh, prior to him going uh, further north uh, to the River Jordan and baptising people. And so, uh, when you go to the Qumran community, they uh, 
built their city on the part of the cliff near uh, the Dead Sea where fresh water comes. And we know that David, King David, uh, before he was king, hid out from Saul in this area and we visited the area where they suspect that King Saul uh, was, uh, uh, King Saul was trying to find David and also the Qumran community and there are places to get water. There are a lot of caves there, that's where all the Dead Sea Scrolls were hidden and so there's places where you can get respite from the sun if you know what you're looking for. There's places where you can get water if you know what you're looking for. And so in many ways, whilst we might think of the desert as a harsh place, whenever we read the Scriptures, I think we should almost imagine the desert as a retreat centre. In the same way that, uh, you know, several weeks ago when the, the 15 deacons were ordained at the St Paul's Cathedral, before they went to ordination, they spent a week at a retreat centre and, and reflected on God. They didn't go to the desert, because it's not what Australians do, they went to a retreat centre. But I think we should start to think of, the, when people in the Bible go to the desert, it's, it's like they're going to a retreat centre because they want to connect with God. And so, the retreat centre that Jesus goes to is, is called the wilderness. And so, when Jesus goes out to the wilderness, why is He going out to the wilderness? Well, well first of all, it says that the, the Spirit led Him out into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit that, that led Jesus out into this uh, retreat centre in order that He would uh, be able to communicate with His Father. Just prior to this passage, we have the baptism of Jesus and we also know uh, from our reading last week in the book of Acts that Jesus taught the disciples under the Holy Spirit. So, it seems that Jesus was uh, being led by the Holy Spirit throughout His ministry, this is the beginning of His ministry, uh, He's led by the Holy Spirit and so when the Holy Spirit leads Him out into this time of retreat, these 40 days, it's an opportunity for Him to uh, be fueled up for His ministry, fueled up for the ministry that He's about to begin. He goes out into this uh, desert, He goes out there led by the Holy Spirit to be fueled up and prepared for the ministry that He's about to undertake. Jesus goes out to the desert to be with His Father. Right throughout the, the Scriptures, uh, the Gospel accounts, we, we hear Jesus is trying to do the will of His Father. He's attuned to the will of God because he keeps spending time alone listening to his Father. He keeps spending time with God, he keeps withdrawing from the busyness of ministry, the busyness of the crowds, the busyness of the cities, in order to listen to what God is speaking to him, in order to listen to the will of the Father. I, I was listening to... Um, I've decided for, for my Lent, I'm going to listen to some of these uh, apps that are available on the phone. Um, one's called Hello and one's called uh, Lexio 365 and I was listening to those this week. And someone said, you know, the, the, the challenge of our prayer 
is often, God, show me your will for my life. And yet, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to talk to his Father and and says, what's your will? And then Jesus aligns with God's will. You see, we, we, we so often are trying to say, God, speak to me, speak to me about what you want me to do. But probably Jesus went out to listen to his Father, to align with what his Father wanted him to do. There's a sense that Jesus is going on retreat and he's preparing for a mission to come and he does it for 40 days, but a lot of it would have been listening to the will of his Father. Now, remember, it actually says here that Jesus fasted for 40 days, but having been to some parts of the the wilderness in Israel, there are ways to get water, there are lots of places where prior to modern day um, farming, there there would have been places to get berries, there would have been places to forage for food, Um, even, even in this particular place where we visited, um, these little animals and then there's all these natural herbs and spices and and the guide who took us there said, you could have a really spicy barbecue because you've got these little animal and then all the herbs and spices you need to flavour it around you and you could probably even go down to the Dead Sea and get some salt so you could flavour your barbecue. There's ways of finding food but the idea is that Jesus fasted And I say that Jesus fasted, and I want to clarify that because, you know, sometimes people look for little holes in the Scriptures and say, oh, see, that's what, you know, that's where the Bible's wrong. They say, oh, Jesus couldn't have done without food and water for 40 days, no one can do that. But it just says He fasted. didn't say He didn't drink. Yes, it says He's hungry. didn't say He didn't drink. It didn't say He didn't eat. It just said He fasted. And again, as I was doing my uh, Lenten uh, listening this week, I was hearing about the what they call the Desert Fathers and, and the Desert Fathers were in the early church where they kind of modelled themselves off this idea that Jesus walked in the desert for 40 days but they went out and lived there almost like a hermit lifestyle and, and supposedly the stories that come from the Desert Fathers was that sometimes that they were they were so consumed and filled with the love of God that food wasn't important to them. It's not that they didn't eat, but unlike a a, a feasting culture, perhaps like us with our, our kind of constant need for food, the Desert Fathers, the Desert Mothers and Jesus here, the focus is not on consumption, but it's on being filled with the love of God being attuned to the will of God. I don't know about you, but that that, that sounds something that would be enticing, doesn't it? To, to, To be so in the presence of God and so uh, connected with God that you, you don't want to leave that space in order to go have a meal, that you don't need to be nourished physically by food but that you're nourished spiritually by God. I think that sounds wonderful. And some of the stories that are coming out of uh, the, the revival that was happen- that's happening in the Osbury University in Kentucky, which I spoke about, is that people went into that chapel and 
thought that they'd spent maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and then when they kind of went outside and saw that it was dark, they realised that they'd been in there for five, six, seven, eight hours. It's, it's like in the presence of God in that chapel, time stood still, and, and the desire to go get some food evaporated, the desire to go and get your washing done evaporated, the, the idea of where else would you want to be other than the presence of God seemed all-consuming. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's fasting in order that he can be sustained by God's love. But I will give you a warning for your own Lenten journey, because not all of us have a great relationship with food, do we? For some people, um, a, a relationship with, a, with food can actually be a, a problem area. And it's, it's wise for us if food is a problem area for you, in terms of, you know, eating disorders and, and all of those types of things, then fasting from food is, is not a good spiritual discipline to take up for Lent. Maybe, maybe taking up silence or maybe taking up uh, solitude or maybe taking up scripture reading uh, or maybe taking up service is a better Lenten discipline for you to take up. Fasting has traditionally been associated with Lent but for those who have a problem with food, become fixated on food, fasting can actually be distracting. And, and if you're more hungering than turning to God, then I'd, I'd, I'd maybe warn you against doing that. It's like if you've ever seen somebody who enjoys a glass of wine and then they give up alcohol for Lent, they can actually be so grumpy that you kind of think, can you just have a glass of wine so you can get back to being a more Christian person. So, if, if something that you would withdraw from is going to be a problem and you're not going to be what Jesus said uh, on our Ash Wednesday service, which means that you're going to be your best self to the world, then please think of something else. And maybe we can throw in there people who are addicted to coffee. If you're terrible when you don't have at least your first two cups of coffee, then for the rest of us, maybe find another spiritual discipline to give up for Lent. Because Lent is really about thinking about God. Tonight, um, at our 6pm service, Helena is going to uh, share with us six types of spirituality. And each one of us has a, 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 a particular style of spirituality, maybe not one of the six, but the, the idea is just to role model that there's a variety of spiritualities. And maybe some of us have two of those or three of those, and Helena is going to unpack those for us. And if we know what spiritually nourishes us, then it's easier to find a spiritual discipline, a spiritual habit that will help us to listen to God during this season of Lent. But the third point of this, this little passage is that the devil comes to tempt Jesus when he's at his hungriest. Initially, when I wrote this, I said, Jesus was tempted at his weakest but but I actually think I got it wrong when I said that and and that's why I, I changed it back to Jesus at his hungriest because it says that Jesus was hungry but but notice he's not weak when he answers the devil when he's tempted by the devil he doesn't have a weakness that's caving in he has a strength because he's just spent 40 days communing with his God with with his father it's almost like the devil took the wrong time to tempt Jesus. Probably could have 
tried at the start of his 40 days, before he'd spent 40 days with his father. Because Jesus doesn't give in to a cheap victory. He doesn't fall for the cheap tricks of the devil. But actually, notice that what the devil offers Jesus is actually easier than what Jesus will encounter. The devil says, if you bow down to me, then all of this kingdom will be yours. But in actual fact, Jesus has a very costly way of bringing about victory in the kingdom. Because Jesus has to die on the cross, a more costly victory, but a more ultimate victory. The the devil offered him a cheap way of getting out of what was ahead of him, but he also offered him a cheap response. It was a cheap cost, but a cheap kingdom. And Jesus pays an expensive price in order to get the ultimate kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. The the devil thinks that Jesus is weak, but actually Jesus is probably at the height of his spirituality. These 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert are going to fuel him as he goes out onto his mission. But I also want to give you another little caveat. Notice that it's the devil that tempts Jesus. I want you to know that God never tempts you. God will never put something evil in front of you and and then test you with that. God might put you into areas where you have to work on your patience. God might put you into areas where you have to work on your trust in Him, but God will never test you with something evil. And so, if you find yourself being tempted by something evil, then just be aware of the presence of Satan. Sometimes when we preach this passage, we we focus a lot on the temptation at the end of these 40 days. But as we enter into 40 days of Lent, I want us to think about those first 40 days before the temptation. And I want you to go into these next 40 days like Jesus approached those 40 days. Jesus withdrew from the things that were distracting, time with His disciples, time with the crowd, time doing the chores of running a household. He withdrew from all of those in order that He could tap into the will of God. So, these next 40 days, as we undergo the journey of Lent, it's your opportunity to draw closer to God. It's your opportunity to find something that helps you grow spiritually. And for you, if that's uh, daily reading through the Bible, then do that. But if you come, become legalistic about reading two chapters of Bible a day, then maybe you just need to sit with three or four verses and sit with them the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So, it's not about something that you're, you're ticking off your Bible reading plan, but you're actually soaking in the Word of God. Maybe, again, as I said, if there's something that, if you don't consume it, it's actually problematic for you, then work on that for sure, but don't take that up as your spiritual discipline. That's a habit that you need to form or break, but your Lenten discipline is actually about building your relationship with God. So, find something that's going to nurture you in your relationship with God. And my last question for you is, how hungry are you for God? Jesus goes out into a situation where He's physically hungry, 
but I think he went into it spiritually hungry. He finished spiritually strong and physically hungry. And so many of us look to fill our physical needs and yet we're not nurturing our spiritual needs. We need to be hungry for the very presence of God. Hungry where a sleep in on a Saturday doesn't matter anymore because we want to get into the chapel and, and join with our brothers and sisters in prayer. Or that we, we, we need to just get up and, and, and read the Scriptures because it's important to us and we feel alive by it. And the cheap thrill of a Netflix show doesn't satisfy us like we do when we read the Word of God. I wonder what it is that you're hungering for spiritually and I hope that as you go through this journey of 40 days, that that, that, that spiritual hunger would deepen and that your relationship with God would deepen. And, and my challenge to you is, don't just drift into Easter. Don't just sort of think, well, it's all okay, we don't really need all this stuff and, and we'll just turn up on, on Monday Thursday night and, and then we'll engage with the whole Easter story. No, use this time of Lent to go closer to God so that when you kneel before the cross on Good Friday and when you celebrate the resurrection, it's coming off 40 days of spiritual strength. Jesus had the ability to overcome the temptations of the devil because he had 40 days of spiritual strength backing him up. That invitation is available to all of us. I encourage us to take it up. So gracious God, we praise and thank you for who you are. We pray that as we engage in this 40 days of Lent, that we would be listening to you, that we would be attuned to who you are and that you would speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.